Pac-12 today. Listening to Pac-12 today on Sirius XM Pac-12 Radio 373. Here's Jeff Schwartz and Mike Yan. Back on Pac-12 today. It is opening day for baseball. I guess it's the second opening day because they only had half the games yesterday. Mike, uh, your Mets are on now, I believe. Your your Mets guy, right? Oh, oh yeah, Mets oh, yeah. guy. Um, it looks like everything was going well, then all of a sudden, half the starting pitchers are hurt. But Scherzer's well. throwing tonight on Apple TV that no one can watch. So. Fantastic. Good job, baseball. Round of applause. You have all the blackout rules and all your games are on a network no one can watch. Fantastic. Good job, baseball. But let's cheer up a little bit. Hood Rubino, who covers Arizona State, is joining us now for DevilsDigest.com. Hood, welcome to the program. Not not wrong, guys. Thanks for having me. Are you a Diamondbacks fan? Did they already ruin your uh, your baseball <laughs> watching the last couple of days? They're walk off. No, they've actually had a walk off a walk off home run by a, by a player by the last name of Beer, and I guess it was national National Beer Day yesterday. It was. So, uh, I, yeah, I was, it was meant to be. I, I saw that call. I woke up. I saw saw Seth Beers <laughs> taking it taking it deep. Um, ASU uh, has their spring game tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. What what was I guess your what was your goal for their spring practice? Well, I think, uh, you know, when you look at this team objectively, there's uh, much less questions on the defensive side than, than there is on the offensive side. So you wanted to see some kind of resemblance of an explosive offense, some kind of resemblance of life after Jaden Daniels isn't all that bad. And I think the jury is still kind of out on that. Now, granted, as media members, uh, we don't get to see the entire practice. And I'm told that, you know, behind closed doors, so to speak, that this offense actually does look decent, but, you know, really the proof is going to be in the pudding when the, when the season starts. Uh, can this passing game really take that much necessary next step forward? And I know some people were disappointed that they weren't able to do with Jaden Daniels uh, at the helm the last two years, and now they're thinking like, okay, uh, you know, what's going to happen, you know, without, without Jaden Daniels? Can any of the current quarterbacks on the roster be that guy? Uh, and Herm Edwards said on the first day of spring practice that, the next starting quarterback may not even be on campus yet. So who knows uh, what they can uh, fish out from the transfer portal in the next uh, few weeks or few months over here. So that to me is uh, the obvious uh, biggest question uh, for ASU. Uh, you know, can this offense have a capable quarterback and maybe somehow be an upgrade over Jaden uh, Daniels? Because anybody who watched ASU last year, they know that their passing game uh, absolutely did not perform up to expectations and really uh, was the difference between, between them having just a okay year as they had last year to having an outstanding season. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point that, that you bring up that Herman said about their quarterback this season might not even be uh, on the roster at this point. Is there, and I don't know if Herm has admitted this or at least some of the conversations you've had, um, you know, maybe not publicly with some other coaches on the staff, although there's already been turnover there, but is there a pressure to, to dip into the portal to try to get a more established guy? Yeah, I think uh, it, it just really depends on the vibe that the coaches are getting from uh, what they're seeing from the quarterbacks right now. And honestly, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really hearing behind closed doors kind of, you know, mixed reviews, uh, you know, between like, hey, we really don't have a good quarterback on the roster to, well, we just kind of hope things uh, work out uh, between now and September. So I really think, like I said, the, the jury is really, really out. 
Uh, does ASU have a capable quarterback on their roster right here, right now? And can that quarterback be able to elevate the passing game as a whole? Uh, again, I think right now it's just a, a, a huge question mark. I don't know if we'll see that much uh, of that question mark being answered in the in the spring game. But uh, that's uh, definitely, I think, the question that uh, is first and foremost on the minds of Kerm uh, Edwards and the entire offensive staff. Needless to say, that that's really going to make or break the season for the Sun Devils. Yeah, so now you have a new offense with a new offensive coordinator again. I mean, Herm has said he wants to be, I think, more more college-ish, right? Not not kind of pro-oriented with his offense, pro-oriented. I kind of is kind of slow and prodding at times, right? Do, do you think with with the changes they've made, they can achieve that? Yeah, I think that uh, you're going to see uh, somewhat of the uh, Stanford offense in the days of uh, – of, of Jim Harbaugh, and, and I would also say maybe the first few years of, of, of David Shaw, where you're definitely going to have a more ball-controlled offense where maybe uh, some of the uh, uh, line share of the passing game, maybe not line share, but a big significant share of the passing game is really going to involve the tight ends because I think that under the radar, ASU's tight, end, uh, tight ends group as a whole is much better than it was last year, and I wouldn't be surprised that if this offense maybe does sneak up on some people and surprises uh, the, the pundits out there, I think that's going to be in part because of a very capable tight end group that's uh, able to be an integral part of the passing game and really by default just open up more for the running game, open up more uh, for, for the wide receivers and really maybe take less pressure off the starting quarterback, whomever that is. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards said, and we also saw it in practice until now during the spring, that uh, they are going to huddle more, they are going to, going to go under center more. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to be three yards in a cloud of cloud of dust, but I think the those elements that I just mentioned are probably going to be more prominent now in the Herm Edwards era than they've ever been uh, since Edwards uh, Edwards arrived at Tempe. Now, granted, you could look at that and say, well, that's really to uh, negate or compensate for uh, not having an explosive quarterback and not having an explosive passing game, and those uh, and those points are are definitely valid. But I really uh, wouldn't be surprised if if the offensive staff is really taking a hard look at what Stafford has been doing, I don't know, for the last 10, uh, 10 or so years and really trying to uh, imitate that model uh, more or less. And again, I think that at least on paper, from a tight end perspective, I think they just might have some of the pieces, not all, that uh, Stafford was able, able to employ uh, employ successfully. But I think for ASU, they really have to, uh, you know, re- reinvent the wheel for the lack of, lack of a better term because whatever is happening in the last uh, – two years over here because Jaden Daniels did have an outstanding freshman year in 2019, let's face it. But uh, I think in 2020 and 2021, this passing game left a lot to be desired. So uh, the last thing the Sun Devils want to do is just more of the same. Why is Glenn Thomas not listed on their website at all as the coach? Oh, that's, you know what, dude? <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing of that. I, I, I went uh, to the no. website to look up the coordinators <laughs> to make sure I was right, and there's not – listed a defense or offensive coordinator to my eyes. And I, I, I feel like a, a dummy. I don't know. They're, they're not, I, mean, I figure that's important to have on your website, on your football website, the names of your yeah, – well, I'll well, hope that by the time somebody listens to this interview, I'll have to go ahead and fix it. Because he is uh, the offensive coordinator, right? I'm not, I'm not yeah, crazy? No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, okay. Glenn Thomas offensive coordinator. Um, his background is really diverse. Uh, he was uh, one of the early mentors of Matt Ryan with Atlanta Falcons some, uh, some 10 years ago. Um, you know, the last few years, he, he was with UNLV. And obviously, you know, that's one of the programs. And you guys are all West Coast guys like me. You know that it's pretty hard to hard to succeed uh, over there in Las Vegas. So maybe the numbers over there the last two years uh, 
were not that impressive. But just keep in mind also that uh, Zach Hill, who was the offensive coordinator for the last two years, he had to resign due to the NCAA investigation in late January. And uh, when you just look at the uh, cycle of uh, the turnover in, in, the, in the coaching ranks, uh, it's really, really hard to get a quality uh, coordinator or even just a coach in general uh, that uh, late in the cycle in late January. So, so Glenn Thomas was uh, maybe, uh, you know, easy, easy pickings for the Sun Devils, um, if, if you will. But I also feel that, you know, with his, uh, with his background in UNLV and, and the offense that we ran over there, uh, maybe it's something that actually could work really, really well for Arizona State because, honestly, even if you brought uh, offensive coordinator with a track record of just absolutely explosive offenses, I'm just not sure if ASU has the personnel right here, right now, to even execute such a, such a scheme. So maybe Thomas uh, is a coordinator that actually might work out uh, really, really well. Uh, and to be fair, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Marcus Arroyo over at UNLV, their head coach, he's had a little bit of a revolving door with quarterbacks since he's taken over. Sure. So not oh, you can look at the numbers and the success doesn't always paint the the full picture there. But you're right. Um, it, look, it's not just Zach Hill, right? A- Antonio Pierce gone, uh, Brennan gone, Prentice Hill, Chris Hawkins. Like, there's been some changes here, and and those spots have been been filled. But it does beg the question about um, team identity. Uh, player development, anything that that's sort of catching your eye about um, the direction of this program, what we've seen the last couple of years with some of this turnover? Well, look, I mean, I just feel like when you talk about the turnover, Mike, I mean, you, you just have to talk about uh, the NCAA investigation. And that really dictates everything with the direction of the program. How many coaches on this staff are, are going to be here come, come December, come January 2023? I mean, that's just a huge, huge question mark. I mean, as long as they have this NCAA investigation uh, looming above you, and ASU has been proactive uh, with uh, dismissing our four coaches. You know, Antonio Pierce, you know, left on his own, resigned, but, you know, who knows what the NOSA allegations is going to reveal about him specifically. Uh, but you just have this, you really do have this, this black cloud over your head that you just don't know how things are going to materialize. So when you talk about the direction of the program, that's a real, real, real hard question to answer because you just don't know which coaches are going to be here in place? Is Herm Edwards even going to be here in 2023? So um, it's really, really hard uh, to look at this program and say, okay, you know, 2022 may look like this, but here's what we got to look forward to to 2023. 2023 uh, right now is just an absolute mystery, again, just because of the, the, just because of the investigation. But, I mean, one thing I, I will say, and I know this is going to sound uh, really cliche, but I definitely get the sense from day one of spring practice that is definitely a lot of the – circling the wagons, us against the world mentality uh, with, with, with the players. Uh, you know, they, they can say they don't li- listen to the outside noises, but I don't buy that for one second. So, uh, you know, maybe just maybe this is a team that uh, can actually uh, sneak up on some people. Like I said, in defense, I'm mu- much less worried about the level of talent over there. But on, on offense, if some way, somehow they can figure, figure things out, and maybe, like I said, run that more Stanford uh, slow ball uh that type of that type of scheme, you know, maybe maybe just maybe the, the, this offense can actually do just enough with a pretty stout defense uh, to act, to act, actually have a, a, a better record than a lot of people think they're, they're going to have. Because objectively, when I look at the Pac-12 South, I don't see like really any big big world beater out there that's absolutely dominating uh, dominating the conference. I mean, obviously, I'll give all the credit in the world to for Utah, but if you guys remember that game in Salt Lake City. Uh, last season, ASU had Utah on the ropes at halftime, twenty-one to seven. And if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot time yeah. and time again, who knows if they're who knows if they're not going to be the South champions? So, 
I think uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, good and bad, when it, when it comes to ASU. It's going to be real, real fascinating to see how everything uh, materializes in the fall. Let's talk about the defensive structure. So when Herm first got there, it was a, they won the 3-3-5, right? And then they moved to kind of a 4-2-5 with Antonio Pierce. Now Donnie Henderson is running the operation on, on defense. Now I'm sure, I'm sure that Herm and, and Marvin Lewis have some input in kind of how this all works, but what do they want the defensive structure to, to be heading into 2022? Well, honestly, it's really simple. If it's not broken, don't fix it. And if you look at the defensive numbers that, that ASU uh, did put up last year, they're by far the best they put all, all century. And even though this is an 8-1 eight, eight, eight team, uh, you definitely can't uh, really blame the defense uh, for, for that record by and large because uh, I think that they definitely played up to the lofty expectations that everybody had for them in, in the preseason. Now, sure, I mean, there, there have been some personnel losses, but I think they're more significant in the secondary than they are, than they are in the front seven. Uh, you know, a player that you might be very familiar with, Jermaine Lolay, uh, one of the best, you know, three-technique players, not yeah. only in the Pac-12, I'd say in the entire country. Uh, you know, he, he, was, he was out all last year with an injury. Now, you know, now, now, now he's back in the fold. And even uh, a player that maybe people may, may know less of, uh, Travis Moore, who was a defensive end transfer from LSU. He only got to play three games until he was, sideline with with an ACL injury. So I think the front seven uh, can really make uh, life easier for a secondary, which does have some experience, but I don't know if they have that much proven experience and maybe we'll have to uh, rely more on transfers, more on players that didn't play a whole lot last year uh, on the lineup that you, for the most part, really had four um, seniors that exhausted their eligibility starting at the two cornerback and two safety positions. But uh, I, again, I really think when, in terms of scheme, Donnie Henderson is not uh, here to shake up anything. He knows uh, he has a talent. He knows he has a proven scheme uh, from last year. Uh, Mar- Marvin Lewis, the like second fingerprints were all over the defense last year. I think there'll be even more uh, on the on fingerprints uh, in 2022 just because Antonio Pierce is not here anymore. So, like I said, I'm, I'm really less worried about the defense. Uh, it, as long as they can figure out uh, the issues with the secondary and actually, you know, when we start from the secondary, they're definitely uh, not playing subpar or anything like that. So if the defense really can do more of the same, I think they got the right scheme. I think they got the right personnel to, to put up some good numbers. The question is how much is going to be supported by the offense? Because I think when you look at ASU's season last year, uh, you can just see a defense that really tried to hold the fort as long as they could. But when they did not get support from the offense, sometimes they actually did collapse in later stages of the game. So I'm curious to see if that trend uh, is, is somehow can be reversed in 2022. That's going to be, I think, another huge factor determining the success or the failures of the Sun Devils this coming season. You know, a couple of minutes ago, you made reference to sort of playing to the expectation level that some would have had. And look, I mean, it, it could be a semantics, right? Like some people might have said, hey, they could win the the division. Some people said, hey, they weren't going to, however you thought it was going to be. I found yeah. it interesting. I was getting ready for the NFL PA game and then some combine coverage. And I, I realized ASU had eight dudes invited to the combine, which is on the short list for one of the better, better results of any program in the country. And I, I think when I take that nug and then I think about where they were in the Pac-12, I, I say to myself, like, did they actually play to the expectation? I mean, they got some some real dudes on this team. And like Herm was able to convince some really good players to to head down to the desert. Do you look at that at that number and say, hey, like that's a good thing um for the team, just knowing kind of the win-loss record and what it was? You, you bring up an excellent point because I think everybody did point to last season being so underachieving when they led the Pac-12 in the number of players that were invited uh, to, to the combine. 
And some of them performed very, very well at the Combine in the various games like the Senior Bowl and NFLPA Bowl, Bowl etc. So, yeah, I mean, I think absolutely the, the sense of underachievement uh, was first and foremost just because of winning just, just eight games, but also having, like you said, so many players being invited by NFL scouts to showcase their talents. I mean, you, you have a lot of fans really, really shaking their heads and asking, well, you know, what, what really what could have been. And that also goes back to the NCAA investigation and how much effect really did it have on the team when they had that cloud hanging over their head really starting in, in, in fall camp. I mean, two days into fall camp, ASU lost their second and third assistant coach uh, that, that was expected to, uh, to, to be a part of the staff in 2021. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think absolutely ASU is a team that underachieved uh, last season. I have no problem admitting that I picked them not only, to, not only to win the South, but actually to win the Pac-12 because I knew they had that much talent. And I think at least uh, my, the prediction on defense was validated because they put up incredible numbers. I mean, I've been covering the team for 22 years, and there were very, very few teams in that span of, span of time that have seen perform at a high level as, they, as ASU defense did in 2021. But again, it just really all came back to the offense and, and, more, and more specifically to the, to the passing game. I said before the season started that the passing game is an absolute X factor uh, for ASU. And uh, I cannot imagine ASU winning the South, let alone achieving more than that, if their passing game was going to put uh, mediocre numbers like they did in 2020, which granted COVID season, only a four-game campaign. But still, you have to see that massive jump uh, in the passing game performance from 2020 to 2021. That never happened. So here we are talking about one of the most underachieving ASU teams that we've seen in a while in Tempe. Oh, we got about 30 seconds left. Uh, so very quickly, what, what should we expect for tomorrow? Is it, is it a game? Is it a scrimmage, a, a practice? What should we expect? It's really going to be uh, more, more of a scrimmage in the game. I'm not trying to turn off, to, to turn off anybody, but uh, hopefully, like I said, on offense, maybe they can show a little razzle dazzle. that can, they can <laughs> give fans, fans some excitement uh, going into the uh, triple digit months over here in, uh, in the Phoenix area.